there and welcome to episode 7 of the Print Reviews. Um, I'm Colin Sinclair McDermott, aka the Online Print Coach, and today I am joined by Dr. Simon Bilcliffe of Wetmark. Thanks for joining us today, Simon. How are you? My pleasure. A genuine delight. Excellent. Thanks for thanks for giving us some time today. So you're the founder of Webmark, you know, which is a, an integrated marketing services agency. You know, what, what exactly does that cover? Well, it covers all of marketing channels, really. I mean, you and I both come from the uh, print uh, world, and that was the origin of Webmark, which was a print management company. Uh, we've now added on services over time as customer demands it. So we now do creative digital data services etc so yeah i mean effectively we focus on the kind of customers that our customers are wanting and then we reverse engineer that into the best channels whether it be online or offline to make sure that they get their best result from Mm -hmm. the blend of uh, those those communication channels and the messaging so we do heat mapping on creative and an attribution modeling to make sure that we know where the response is coming from and lots of mm-hmm. uh, testing and working really strategically with them whereas you know when you're a printer generally or offering print services generally you're an output device for their creative and their thoughts whereas mm-hmm. if you move into the kind of strategy and understand your customers more deeply you can uh, often give unique insight to that and help them yeah. get their desired results and and uh, you know we, we are the most sustainable marketing agency in europe and that's a really important uh, part of our DNA as a business, but also it helps customers who are increasingly being mandated either by the board or by government to mm-hmm. actually understand their carbon footprint and the and biodiversity. And, you know, we've got a lot of skills in that as well. Fantastic. You touched on there about, you know, obviously you've, your, your background is, is, is typically in print. In your early career, you were um, working in sales for GHP Web Offset and the uh, British Print Corporation. What was life back then like on the road as a as a salesperson? So it was pretty fraught, to be honest. Um, I mean, obviously it was a commodity sell uh, at the time. We just before I started Webmark, which was twenty seven years ago, the last year of uh, working at BPC, I had done sixty five thousand miles. Well, wow. um, <laughs> we had. I had 23 salespeople up and down the country. We had 13 mm-hmm. operating sites to fill from East Kilbride that we were mm-hmm. mentioning earlier on uh, in our pre-chat down to Colchester, down to Exeter and and um, so all over the country. And I was, you know, my, my I worked out, I spent more time in my car than I did at home, either awake or asleep. You know, it was, it was just untenable. And of course your phone was your, was your mm-hmm. lifeline and you were just yeah. on the phone all the time so yeah and 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 also working for companies ghpi enjoyed it was a very innovative startup web offset printer and i learned a lot there um mm-hmm. and then came back to bpc where i had been a graduate trainee uh on a management training course with them and you realize actually the fascinating uh company how heavily indebted it was and really difficult and it just mm-hmm. And they were made the most stupid decisions based purely on what banks were telling them they had to do rather than necessarily what they wanted to do. Yeah. And I just thought, well, I'm never going to be, I'm never going to borrow any money as a consequence mm-hmm. of that when I started to work and we never have since. Because you want to have the freedom to make decisions that are revolved around the, the best for your customers, the best for your suppliers and the best mm-hmm. for your staff. And yeah. if you're shackled by debt, mm-hmm. 
quite often that's the last thing that comes on, yeah. on their mind. So yeah. you lose that control. Yeah. You lose that control. So 27 yeah. years ago, you started Webmark. And from what I've kind of heard, you wanted to start a business that, that nurtured people. Can I, um, you talk about Marxist capitalism as a way of wrapping the business around the people within it. Can you explain that to, to perhaps the people in the audience that don't know what that means? I can't believe there's anybody that doesn't understand the concept of <laughs> Marxist capitalism. Um, yeah, I mean, as I say, what I found in previous companies is when you're indebted, you you know, the prima inter pares thing that you're always thinking about is a financial return. You know, yep. you have to service debts, you have to do this. And what I wanted was a uh, a person friendly organisation, mm-hmm. and so I looked at ways uh, of developing the business based on three basic principles. One is I want to develop the the intellectual return that we could deliver, as in mm-hmm. you know for the people, understand them, make sure that we understand what they've got a competitive advantage in, and develop that and revolve this, the, their roles around that rather mm-hmm. than shoehorning them into a role that they may not be very good at. And what you tended to find is if you maximise the intellectual return that way, then you've maximised the emotional return. Mm-hmm. So the, the emotional return as in enjoying your work and making it a family first policy, which was very much not the case in previous companies that I'd worked for. And if you maximize the intellectual and the emotional return, you have engaged, happy customer uh, people that customers want to work with. So you maximize the financial return. And it was a relatively straightforward, logical thing, working with people rather than against mm-hmm. them, having that yeah. adversarial approach. And if you don't have debt, then that allows you to give the return to the labour employed by of the workers, and that's the mm. Marxist bit. So use capitalism to create the value, yep. and then Marxist principles to share out the value created, not only for the, the employees, but also for wider society as well. Mm-hmm. And that was a, a key thing. As we accrued money, we get interest, and interest we don't have to work for. So we give that away to charity, and now it's around £800,000 we've given away to charity over the years. And my degree was in uh, agricultural economics, and I'd always been interested in the sustainability of uh, the environment and how that interacts with economics. And so we, we've always had, you know, very early days, you know, 20 years now, we've been working on carbon calculations and offsetting. Mm-hmm. So we were really early on in that that journey, well before it was a thing to do. And now, of course, we've invested in the Webmart Oxygen Farm, which is a sustainability and rewilding project that we've had for the last 10 years and nearly now. And so we look at the aim is to do the, the good thing, obviously, for our people, for our customers, our suppliers, mm. wider society, the least well-off in society, and also the planet. And that holistic view seemed wacky to, you know, <laughs> you're talking to people five years ago even, and they're like, you were the outlier. When I used to do speeches, I was always the, you know, the hand grenade to throw into the kind of the, the panel and and just really to see the reaction but now of course it's becoming a lot more mainstream and um it's allowing us to um the provenance that we've got and the experiences that we've got uh allowing us to help other customers and and suppliers along that road to sustainability to carbon mitigation and, and, and sequestration and also of course we we attract talented, bright people into the organisation because of purposeful 
company yeah. like ours is what where people want to work. So mm-hmm. you know we've we've managed to develop a really excellent team, uh, a really diverse team of people, different skill sets, different backgrounds, different approaches, and it, it, it's it's allowed us to pivot into from our heritage and build on our heritage to build out the newer channels and and service lines that we've been offering because people actually want to work for a company that's got a purpose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Help. You mentioned there about, um, obviously, you've raised almost 800,000 over over the last 27 yeah. years for charity, but you go, be, you go a step beyond that, don't you? Because you, you, you encourage your staff to be involved in doing kind of stuff with the charities as, as well. Is that right? Absolutely. I, you know, I, I'm a, a trustee or advisor to many charities. And I think that it's it's important for two reasons. One is it gives them great skill set. You know, mm-hmm. if you if you can uh, get on a board and be a trustee, you, you understand the running of an organisation that isn't just a business. But secondly, it actually helps you appreciate what you've got. You know, the the, cha- the challenge that you've got, if you look at, you know, the world, many people, you you either feel entitled or, you know, you, you can feel quite content with your lot and just take it for granted. And actually, mm-hmm. when you when you move into areas of, of charity work, which is typically for underprivileged people in, or life experiences of, of taking them down a path that isn't good for them uh, or for society, it does make you really appreciate how lucky you are. And yeah. and I think that gives you a really, you know, sense of well-being mentally, and and um, it also keeps you tethered in reality rather than just taking things for, for granted. So I think, yeah. and and of course for the charities, you're getting talented, you know, people with experience to come and help mm-hmm. them be more effective as an organisation as well. So everyone wins out of that. Yeah, it's definitely grounded. I think we we mentioned obviously before the we started recording as well, like. My wife is involved in charity, but we've we've done a lot of charity work over the years together in mm-hmm. places like um, India, Nepal, and in Africa. And um, it really is kind of I think it's I think it's something I would recommend everyone does Absolutely. charitable work in some capacity because it does it just lets you realise just how how fortunate you are. And and actually, I'm going to touch on it later on in the episode. But kind of how a lot of a lot of the things that we think we need in life we don't actually need at all. No, and, 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 Absolutely. It does make you value the things that really matter. And, you know, mm-hmm. as you say, you, you mentioned that I'd done a speech recently that was recorded for the uh, Global MBA program at Oxford mm-hmm. Brooks University, where I'm an entrepreneur in residence, as they call them. And, you know, we, we can get so wrapped up in the the more we have, the happier yeah. we are. And the mm-hmm. truth is, quite often, it's the, the inverse. And uh, yes, of course, you, you know, no, it, poverty is not good in any mm-hmm. way, shape or form. It, it, it's a terrible thing. But there is a big band of enough, mm-hmm. you know, have, working out what your enough is. And it doesn't mean yeah. acquiring everything you can and, mm-hmm. you know, getting multiple of everything, whatever. Quite opposite. There's an, mm-hmm. a, a diminishing ret- return on that. Yeah. Um, and then, you you know, everything comes with admin. Everything mm-hmm. has to be maintained or insured or looked after or whatever. So yeah. get, working out what your your happy spot is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the old Goldilocks spot is really yeah. important. And, and it yeah. gives you more time as well. You know, mm-hmm. the more you spend reaching out to parts of the community, you wouldn't necessarily, you know, go with. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually does make you, it gives you a different perspective on life. And I think that that helps your feeling of fulfillment in life because we're all busy. You know, we're all running around like mad things. But if you're doing 
some of that work for people who uh, are less well off it does mm-hmm. actually give you a, gives you a purposeful life as well um which is Definitely. which is very rewarding no 100 percent. another thing i kind of wanted to bring up that might surprise a few people so you're you're a extremely tax efficient business but probably not in the way that most people would expect you to be kind of um i'd, I'd love Absolutely. for you to share this story well again one of the the things that i've always found is when i first started my business literally within the first months i I would go to some of these networking events thinking you should go to things like this and people would say uh what's your what's your exit plan and i'm like hey you know i'm just starting a business and i would argue i still haven't got an exit plan 27 years on i'm enjoying it and i want to do i want to maximize the opportunity for everyone but uh, and there are lots of tax advisors trying to minimise the amount of tax that you pay and this, that and the other. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I fundamentally believe that government and taxation is a good thing. Now, they don't spend it as well as you or I would would want them to. And I think there mm-hmm. is a, a big issue there. However, uh, government and taxation pays for some of the most important things in our world, things that really do matter. And so we want to be a tax efficient company by paying the most tax that we are due to pay so all of our bonuses goes through the payroll so which means that everybody pays the highest marginal rate of tax that they're due to pay and of course if you've earned it you pay it you know in my mind you know that that's it so it's a really simple approach and it allows us it means that we pay on average 53 percent more tax than a comparable company because we don't have these you know schemes that are there to mm-hmm. to avoid tax and uh, you know the nhs and the you know the, the environment that we see outside of us and uh, you know the infrastructure we need to get there it doesn't matter whether you're a pauper or a uh, a billionaire you've still got a you still want a good quality of life you want roads to get to hospital if you need it and you want somebody mm-hmm. to be there for you and you want protection you want in within our boundaries with the police or outside of our boundaries with our armed services and uniquely governments that's why we mm-hmm. have governments for that kind yeah. of thing and they need to be paid for it and so our organization is very tax efficient at creating tax and mm-hmm. uh, for the valuable things that uh, the government provide for all of us yeah that's off to you sir you, t- you talk about employing the best people you can afford with room for growth as a way of kind of like um future proofing the business i guess with the with having the right people and i think that's really important because it's it's easy for people to become stagnant in their roles how often do you typically sit down with 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 staff or does someone sit down with staff to monitor the progress and make the necessary changes to allow them to grow within the business i mean everybody has a personal development plan and every six months their line managers will sit down with them and obviously the their development has to align to the purpose and the the objectives of the organization obviously otherwise you've got you're herding cats and everyone's going different directions however within that and that's quite a broad spectrum within that uh, we want to make sure we have a very bespoke career path and Mm -hmm. a personal development plan for that person because Mm -hmm. you know one of the biggest failings i did to be frank was uh, i used to employ people for the job that i needed doing and really early on for, realized actually you know they every, people quite often in that if you buy uh, employ them and bring them in on that basis they, they hit the, the ceiling quite quickly because mm-hmm. they're doing a job whereas yeah. if you buy the talent if you buy mm-hmm. the 
you know, the, the, the raw talent of the person and then help nurture it over time. You get a lifelong commitment. And also that lifelong learning is part of the very DNA of what we're about. We, we obviously, you know, going back to Darwinism, you know, it's not the strongest or the fastest that would survive. It's mm-hmm. the most adaptable to change. Mm-hmm. And if you're the most adaptable organization to change and uh, highly tolerant of failure, uh, certain mm-hmm. types of failure, as, it, as in adventurous failure rather than sloppiness, then it gives you great opportunities to to evolve your business. And, you know, we are we would have gone bust at least three times if we hadn't mm-hmm. have evolved out of our core offering when we first started. And, and yeah. hopefully you want to be slightly ahead of the curve and mm-hmm. not too far ahead. We've done some things which actually still... Uh, you know, put a lot of money into uh, projects which uh, were great ideas at the time, but it was too far ahead of the market, being mm-hmm. honest. Uh, mm-hmm. And probably, you know, around now, they're, they're great, you know, and that we will bring them back to market. But the idea is to to try and be, you know, ahead of, uh, ride the wave rather than be in front of it and be becalmed or after it and you've lost, you've missed it. So this is where, you know, for the last three years, we've been developing these carbon calculators developing it with software and research and and we can bring them to market as the, the kind of we call it the echometric kind of uh, suite of carbon calculators so everything from you know postage and physical manu- uh, manufacturing of product with you know product redesign or what have you through to digital channels and to make sure that a website mm-hmm. is is light in terms of its its carbon footprint so all of that takes time and so mm-hmm. we, you know because we reinvest we hold 400,000 of um, profits every year in the business. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's given us the opportunity to reinvest in what is speculative. It's R&D. It's things yeah. that are, have no guarantees of working, but which is the very definition of research and development. Mm-hmm. Um, but you think there's a reasonable chance of it uh, and to be slightly ahead of it. So at the moment, we're in a cost of living crisis and co- cost is number one. But as soon as we come out of that, uh, mm-hmm. sustainability will be the thing that everybody was and so if you're ahead of the curve with a suite of products that you can bring immediately to market when it's appropriate for each customer then that again it future proofs your yeah. uh, your business and and mm-hmm. the people's careers within it fantastic obviously att- attracting the right talent who share the same values as, as you do within the business can be can be tough do you have a particular process that you follow or how do you identify you know the right people to bring in like at the interview stage perhaps yeah i mean we do psychometric tests you mm-hmm. know you may have come across myers-briggs but there are many others yep. uh, those, those kind of things so mm-hmm. and that also helps giving people something back who don't come on board because mm-hmm. quite often people have never done a psychometric mm-hmm. test and understand their internal drivers and we might not be the the right you know home for their career mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, good core values are really important, mm-hmm. and that you know, we we're not all happy, clappy hippies. You know, you need to you, you 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 want to look after yourself. You want to look after your family, but you've also you have got to have an altruistic streak in you. You have got to actually want what, what's the greater good. It's not about me. We're not donkey off Shrek. Um, it's yeah. it's trying to work as a team, and you need people with that kind of ethos, that collaborative mm-hmm. ethos. Otherwise, you you're screwed. To be mm-hmm. honest, um, and we've all worked with people who haven't got that, and they're very disruptive and corrosive yeah. to the culture of mm-hmm. of an organisation. And so we we're quite rigorous with the recruitment process. You know, it's a three four stage process depending on the seniority of the person 
you know, I will interview every person, every everybody must have any any role as well as the final bit of it. And then after three months, everybody in the company anonymously evaluates that person. Okay. And, you know, you, you give them a ranking on three key criteria, uh, their capability, their their uh, attitude effectively, and yeah. their, their approach to each other. And then we give a list of the things that they're great at and a list of things that they need to develop, you know, to, to uh, improve on. And then at six months, you do that. And if you get through the six months, so that's two mm-hmm. lots of fully anonymous, all company evaluation. If you get through that, okay. you're full-time web martyr. And if you don't, then you'll leave. And at what point, can I, I see that you um, you have new employees um, or interviewees record a video about themselves and things like that. At what point do you do that then in the journey? After they've had the, after they've been offered a job and they've accepted, then okay. they do a video. Mm-hmm. And uh, the idea is to do one take uh, of a couple of minutes about you, because quite often people come in and they don't know about the person. So we want to know a bit about them before they join. And uh, it, it's worked to be a really good uh, way of breaking the ice of people. You know, they talk about what they're interested in, what they're doing. They're out, you know, some of them are fantastic. I mean, like brilliant. You're like, oh my god, <laughs> which is which is great. And it, and you've got something to, you know, there's always a commonality that people have got with them then, and mm-hmm. they feel like they're they're part of the team from day one, which is which is really good, because quite often it can be quite daunting going into a new yeah. company, especially if you've not been, you know, either you're out of university or you've been in another company for quite some time, mm-hmm. and you want people to know you. Uh, and yeah. be 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 honest with them, and that authenticity mm. comes through as well. Um, it's a nice approach. Both, yeah, it is, and and, it, and being a tight northern uh, Yorkshireman, um, <laughs> it's free as well. It don't cost yeah. you, so uh, it's exactly. a nice way of of, mm. of getting people uh, to be feeling part of the team from day one. We we both know, sadly, there's there's probably a very low percentage of people out there just now in, in our industry who are are happy in the roles kind of there's 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 um there's definitely kind of a, a, i see a lot of recruiters on linkedin and things and there's there's, there's people jumping ship or looking to, to jump ship just because they're not satisfied um in their current roles and actually it could be minor tweaks from the employers themselves in order to kind of to change that kind of what tips what tips you've obviously got a highly engaged workforce like what advice would you give to other business owners and leaders out there to to try and address that issue yeah i mean it, it is a massive issue and you, you know you hear in the uh media about the productivity gap you know between us and others and actually that's that's mainly down to the lack of engagement with the staff with with your your organization and if you mm-hmm. to be frank if you if your organization's purpose is to make the person at the top typically a man more money why would mm-hmm. you be engaged why would you put your whole self in there and what have you so i think look at yourself first you know without you know going back onto the kind of uh, tropes of oh them snowflakes they keep moving on and all this you know what you hear quite often with Mm-hmm. more mature leaders i think just actually look at yourself and say what is your business there for you know yeah. i always think of business as a game of snakes and ladders and we all understand that as a concept so what's your mm-hmm. hundred you know when you get there uh, what is what is it what is the purpose of your organization and it's got to be meaningful to everybody not just you in fact mm-hmm. quite op- quite the opposite it can't be about you mm-hmm. um it has to be a, a, a bigger purpose and it may be 
helping you know people have a better quality of life through your products and services that you're you offer but that's mm-hmm. got to be the reason you're doing it not to make more money for the 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 shareholder who you know happen to start the business or the the early employees uh, who happen to get shares and nobody else does now and they all milk with you know what I mean it mm-hmm. so yeah you've got to look in the mirror and say actually would I work for me with what our hundred is at the moment and if it's not right change it mm-hmm. And then secondly, listen to your your staff. I mean, the average uh, company globally has only 13% of people fully engaged with their organization. 13, wow. one, three. I mean, oh that's goodness. that's appalling. In the UK, 37% of employees feel that their job is meaningless. I mean, that's, that's the diametric opposite of fully engaged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, webmark we have an independent assessment by uh, an external organization we currently last year we were at 91 this year we're at 92 percent mm-hmm. fully engaged well if you were the most rabid capitalist in the world that has got to be better you know we do it for different reasons but it's got to be better yeah. than 13 percent hasn't it um mm-hmm. so if, even if you don't care about other people and what have you if you want to be a really efficient organization Mm-hmm. Make it a purposeful one because you get engaged people and you're paying 100% anyway. Yeah, yeah. You know, it doesn't matter whether they're, whether they're fully engaged or not. Mm. You know, it's you're stupid. You're not paying for 13%, though, are you? Oh, you're not. No, absolutely <laughs> not. And, you know, there's these, you know, the uh, the people who are, um, you know, engaged in inverted commas, uh, at a, you know, as in they work, but they're not doing their their job to the f- mm-hmm. fullest of their ability and they've not got a smile on their face and what have you. And most people, not everybody, but the vast majority of people want to enjoy their work and want to give them themselves wholeheartedly. But mm-hmm. the corollary of that is have a family first business. So it's not all about the business. You know, make yeah. sure that when when your kids have got sharing assembly, when they've got elder care that they need to and they need to drop it, you, you're there. You're there for them, and they know that's the number one because mm-hmm. that's the quid pro quo for being fully engaged. Mm-hmm. That you're 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 employing the whole person, not just the work person. But you mm-hmm. deal with people in the same level of humanity uh, uh, that you would do when you're outside of work. And uh, and I don't think you should have two selves. You used yeah. to have to to protect mm-hmm. yourself. You know, we've yeah. been there back in the day with different, you know, the Taylorian style of command and control management and stuff, and it never gets the best out of you. So, you know, you look at some of the the biggest companies in the world now, the, the shift of Microsoft from the Steve Ballmer days when they used to sack 10% of their workforce every year, the bottom 10%, literally decimated, through to now it's one of the, if not the world's most valuable companies. It's certainly right up there with Apple worth two, it's worth 2.4 trillion um, because the new CEO said, I'm, I'm skipping all of that. You know, yeah. we want to we want to take the talent that we've got and give them the best opportunity and and look after them in a very different way. And and it, you look at the share price from Steve Ballmer to now, mm-hmm. and you see how it works. And it can work in your company just because you acted in a in a certain way before. You can change. And change kindness, absolutely. You know, kindness isn't something that is is weak. It's actually, it's that humanity that engages people and gets the talent into your organization. Because, you know, as we all know, the the best customers are word of mouth. And the best employees are ones that you get in through word of mouth. And, you know, that reputation, your your provenance as an an employer 
uh, is really, really powerful these days. So it's not just a nice thing to do. It's a need to do. You know, talent is is rare and nurture it and look after it and align it and give it a reason to get up in the morning and do its best it can do. But also when they're they're having a bad time getting up in the morning for whatever reason, then mm-hmm. be there for them as well. As an employer, you can be a big part in creating bad mental health and you can be a big part in supporting people when mm-hmm. they uh, they need some support. And that's certainly something we've we've done for many, many years now. I'm on a bit of a personal mission just now. I'm trying to read one book a week. I read somewhere that one of your favourite books was, and I hope my research has done me well here, The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Is yeah. that still the case? Yeah, um, yeah The Art of War but for Business. <laughs> you know, absolutely. It's a very interesting book. It's, it's Again, it's, it's quite contrarian, really. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a 5,000-year-old book or whatever. But yeah. the, the, you know, humans haven't changed. Uh, I, I no. love history generally. I you know, people always look for the most current, up-to-date case study. Actually, you know, we haven't changed it to 30 or 40,000 years. So, you know, the classics are really interesting. Yeah. Uh, Greek and uh, Greek philosophy is 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 pretty important, and but Sun Tzu is is, is very good. One um, of my favourite quotes from that book is um, "Know yourself, and you will win all battles." And it's, it's mm. something I touch a lot in within the coaching sessions um, that I run. There's a big focus around self-awareness and the willingness to adapt and achieve to get better results. And if you don't know yourself, you're not going to win those battles. Do, do you have any favourite quotes yourself kind of from, from the book that kind of come to mind? No, I can't, I can't remember. I'm not, my, my memory is not <laughs> that, that, that great. But no, just the general ethos. It, it's quite, it, it's a bit like a 5,000-year-old uh, Blue Ocean Thinking, if you've read that mm-hmm. as a book as well, which is a more tactical kind of, I mean, and now it's relatively old, but it's a, it's a, a, a very good book. Basically, you, you look, look the other way. There was a, a a book called Funky Business that came out 15 years ago by two uh, Swedish uh, professors. And that was, again, think contrarian. You know, the, the oxymoron of Marxist capitalism piques people's interest. But actually, when you you think about combining those two together, actually, it's a lot more powerful than just one on its own. And whereas I wouldn't say, you know, some of the biggest companies in the world are Marxist, but they certainly have an awareness of their higher impact that they can have mm-hmm. sometimes they yeah. do it better than others um but but you know that these externalities as you if you study economics you have you know the everything that isn't you know on a in a spreadsheet is seen as an externality for for mm-hmm. ease of, of modeling but these externalities you know behavioral economics is a much more uh relevant uh, approach because it brings in the human the, the irrational in inverted commas human into the into the uh uh, mix and also you know business is only about you know business is a bag of people mm-hmm. that's it you know you take out people from any business you look at even the latest shenanigans at open ai mm-hmm. you know it, it, it it's apparently going to be is worth 86 billion yet as soon as they made one stupid decision of taking out their chief exec i think it was 85 percent of the staff said right we're off then <laughs> and it's worth nothing, you yeah. know, because, you know, yeah. so even in the the most leading edge, you know, t- technically, sof- uh, you know, sophisticated companies in the world, people are everything. Mm-hmm. So unless you make your 
company people centric, you'll never get the most innovative, creative, productive, fun experience at work. And mm-hmm. so I think yeah, reading is a, a very useful thing. Podcasts. I mean, one of my th- one of my personal favourites is reading The Economist and listening to The Economist. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it sounds a dry publication until you read it, mm-hmm. and it, it's about everything from yeah. psychology to literature to the arts to obviously po- politics and mm-hmm. uh, global machinations going on now but it's a very thoughtful and well well researched publication that you get mm-hmm. weekly and it takes a kind of if you want to read it cover to cover it takes the week but mm-hmm. you know you've got to be quite selective with it and they do some very yeah. good podcasts as well so you become a much more rounded person understanding mm-hmm. the world and why things are happening and, and what absolutely so, you know for 265 quid it sounds like an ad now but uh, to <laughs> me it's a it's it's a the best investment of my time yeah. and and uh money. check that out yeah, it's very, very. I, I would strongly recommend anybody who wants to understand what's going on in the world, and mm-hmm. and also I do get quite a lot of insight from that of, of new new ideas that I can pivot into uh, web model, you know, from mm-hmm. looking at some of the case studies that they do and the, the columnists that they write. You just think actually, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you're scribbling down things and you're researching things and all this kind of stuff. So uh, no, it's a, that is. I think that's probably if there was one thing, you know, in the old mm-hmm. Desert Island Discs way, not that they could deliver it on a weekly basis, <laughs> but that that'd be the one thing I would take. So I understood yeah. what was going on in the world outside on my little mm-hmm. desert island. Yeah, nice. Let's talk about morning routines. Kind of, I think certainly over the last couple of years, I've been working more specifically on like kind of. I'm a strong believer in a, a good morning routine gets you kicked off to a more productive day was something I started through lockdown. And I believe we've got a similar thing in common um, with geese waking us up in the morning. Um, <laughs> I, read, I read that somewhere. I've got a yeah. food across the road. Usually usually about half past three, four o'clock in the morning. The, the pink well, it depends on the time of year, of course. This time <laughs> of year, it's uh, a lot later. But yeah, I mean, I like to get up at daybreak. At this time of year, you get up before daybreak because otherwise mm-hmm. you're behind the day. Yeah. I think most successful people, and I've, I don't know if there is any research done on it, but an- mm-hmm. anecdotally, most successful people get up early. Yeah. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. if you're on shifts and that, it, it, yeah. it's a very diff- difficult uh, thing to do because you mm-hmm. you may be working through the night. Yeah. But generally, I always, when I was in sales back in the day, uh, as my, you know, back, back in BPC days, mm-hmm. I would always email or ring people I knew that wanted to get hold of because uh, mm-hmm. I knew to be up early and yeah. um, that and you you had great quality time mm-hmm. and it, even if you're not talking to anybody externally you t- I tend to find anyway that you, you it's your best thinking time because mm-hmm. you've got no distractions you've got nobody else in mm-hmm. so at the moment um, I always uh, I'm very lucky I live in by the Yorkshire Sculpture Park literally mm-hmm. uh, my garden goes on to it so I have an hour's walk with the dogs in the morning listening to Radio 4 or even farming today on Radio 4 before it, mm-hmm. uh, before t- uh, today comes on. And you can usually be up to speed with, with things. Uh, and I always got my phone, obviously, with me. And uh, if I notice something, uh, and, you know, that that's great because it's, it's a very useful thing to, uh, to listen to. You just start thinking. But also, and probably more importantly, you're one with nature and... Mm-hmm. And the seasons, yeah. you know, it, yeah, I know 
the the uh, goslings and the uh, cygnets, you know, when I see them from eggs and I see them growing up and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I'm counting them in a Brian Hanrahan way. I'm counting them all out and counting them all back again, <laughs> make sure that, you know, we went down from six cygnets to, sorry, eight to six cygnets this, this year, which was not a bad batting average. And, you know, you, you, you look at the turn of the seasons and you get out and you get fresh air and you get exercise and mm-hmm. a healthy body is a healthy mind. And, yeah. uh, you know that's where dogs are a very useful thing because you can't not take them for yeah. a walk. So it's it's that discipline, you know, which mm-hmm. is uh, enforced on you in a nice nicest possible way. But it's it's I find that incredibly therapeutic every every morning just to see what what's going on on out outside. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's the best way to start the day. Um, I'm very fortunate. I live I live by the the coast, so. Um, certainly, it was as I said, it was started in kind of in lockdown. But five a.m. walks on the beach with the dog, um, and I, it was a, it was a book called the the Miracle Morning. I don't know if you've if you've come across that. No, one, no. It's it's all about kind of six things six things you can do every morning to to win the day before before the rest of the world kind of gets up, and uh, and it's something that stuck with me to this day. Like even now, like the body clock is just five a.m. kind of, and um, the days where yeah. I don't get up at five o'clock. I don't, I don't, I'm not as productive. I don't enjoy no. as much. Like it's, um, no. it's, it's, it's really important. I think. Um, yeah. And I'm curious because I had, I had picked up that um, you were a morning person and left. Absol- I think you did a bit absolutely. of running and things as well. Yeah, uh, totally. I, I love, I love the mornings. And you're right. Once you get into that cadence, mm-hmm. uh, then it, your body wakes up naturally. I'm, I'm, you know, the vast majority of the time awake before six. And uh, you get out. At this time, I work for an hour or do a bit of uh, go, perhaps go into the gym downstairs for a, a while and, and what have you. But um, and then take the dogs for a walk when it gets light enough because it's you mm-hmm. know seven thirty at the moment. Uh, it's just about light enough to uh, go out depending on what the weather is. And it's just an amazingly great time, you know. And you come back, you have a shower, you're on it. You're on for the day, you, you know. And, and you you feel capable, and I feel ahead of the day. I hate being behind the day, you know. I'm catching up with things, and you know, people are saying, "Oh, I'm coming back from you or whatever." I'm like, oh my god, it, it does that does bother me. So uh, luckily, uh, and you can train yourself to to a degree. I remember my first job was uh, I used to live back uh, in in Kettering in Northamptonshire, and my my office was in Watford, and the mm-hmm. the motorway the M1 was a nightmare to get from one. To the other side, I, tr- I actually got myself down. So I woke up earlier and I used to get in the office for seven because I hated sitting yeah. in traffic forever. And then it kind of sticks with you. And, you know, mm-hmm. obviously when you have kids, it's handy not to be able to need too much sleep either. And, uh, and it, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it's, it, you tend to have better quality sleep. I, I, I find as well, you know, you, you hit the pillow, you, 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 that's it. And then you wake up naturally and it's great. You mentioned there about getting back and getting showered. Have you have you ventured into the world of cold showers yet? No, I know people that do, but mm. my shower is typically about two minutes long. So you know what I mean. I'm in there. I'm like, wash my hair, I blute my body, and then I'm out there and on and stuff. No, I, having said that, when I'm out, when you open the door, sometimes you you have a rude awakening with the with the weather <laughs> out here because I'm, I'm right on the edge of the Pennine, so I, I do mm-hmm. well, quite a quite a lot of weather here. I think it's fair yeah. to say. So mm-hmm. no, I do know people who do swear by it though. I, although yeah. 
I'm a healthy skeptic. I tend to think that that'll be one of them fads. You know, remember the Atkins diets mm. and remember the you know mm. all that kind of stuff. We'll, yeah. see. we'll see. No, I, I won't lie. I, you know, I started the, I started the cold showers about the same time, and um, we do. I'm, I'm now in a habit actually. Kind of before any coaching calls or meetings, I kind of pop myself in for a cold shower, and it just kind of wakes you up. It kind of makes you more alert if anything else. But um, yeah. I'd um, I'd actually done an article in Print Monthly um, last month, and it was talking about the reason I started the cold showers because I was I, I was given a bit of data that helped said it was um it would assist with weight loss but it's not worked so far so I'll um I'll keep I'll keep trying the other methods. Um, yeah I was gonna uh, uh, <laughs> yeah I mean I, I think there's probably a lot to be said for it. I mean you know yeah obviously through through history we mm-hmm. haven't had the luxury of warm showers have we and uh, no. mind you the life expectancy wasn't that great either so I don't know if you know <laughs> I don't know how those those two correlate but yes I I think you find your own kind of ways of, of I mean some people love meditation mm-hmm. and love yoga and all all of those kind of things and uh, personally I haven't got the patience for it and uh, I fall asleep in meditation so I mean mm-hmm. I think I think I'm pretty present you know yeah. I think just appreciate I guess we're back to what we were saying mm-hmm. you appreciate appreciate mm-hmm. how lucky we are yeah, you know no definitely you know whatever challenges we've got we're up, we were born lucky enough to be in this mm-hmm. country uh, mm-hmm. With geological stability, with political mm-hmm. stability, with you know all of that kind of stuff, and mm-hmm. and appreciating that is you know whatever our challenges, you know um, it it helps to make you actually enjoy yourself rather than mm-hmm. worry too much sometimes about things that you know you can't either influence or it may never happen quite often. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so. tell me tell me about your weekly DIY MBA. Yeah, that was um, what I tended to find is that I, I, yeah, I know I do kind of speaking at MBA programs and stuff, but I, I've always found them for me. I haven't. I, I I find them difficult to. They're a bit abstracted from everyday mm-hmm. life. So what I what I did was uh, I, I always my diary was always rammed, but I mm-hmm. always had one period on a Tuesday morning if I was lucky enough the Tuesday to sit, uh, it was ring fence, nothing came in the way of it, to actually go out of the office. And I, I at the time I was living down south and I didn't have the glorious countryside of Yorkshire around me. So uh, and I used to have a camper van and uh, take all of the reading that I wanted to do or the podcast I wanted to listen to out and do it every week as part of my working week as a DIY MBA. And it's it's free. You know, it's just a time, a bit of time that you do, and you can do it for an hour. But just get into the discipline of, of self development, and uh, what you tend to find is that you you actually pick up things you wouldn't otherwise pick up. Um, you know, concepts, ideas, and when you're talking to customers, particularly at the, the senior level of customers, you rarely talk about what you do for them. You're talking about more their their business, their life, their challenges or whatever and you quite often can have a different perspective because you've invested in your personal development and as a as a leader it's quite difficult to get that time sometimes but if uh, i found it by ring fencing that time everyone knew they couldn't contact me in that time so that means that you've got your succession planning better because you you know you can't be indispensable you can't be the hub at the middle of every decision Mm -hmm. or whatever um which is healthy for the organization but it's healthy for me because if when i saw stuff i wanted to read i would just drag it into my diy folder or you know the economist i'll take with me 
or whatever it is that I wanted to read. And and I knew I had time no more than a week away that I could catch up on it. Because otherwise you end up with a pile of stuff that you'll never get around to reading that yeah. you should do. But yeah. you never have time to do it because you don't schedule in that time. So that was that's something that I, I, I've done. I mean, now, because I live here uh, in, in the middle of the countryside and stuff, I don't go out and don't have a camper van anymore. But I still have that discipline to, mm-hmm. uh, to put time aside for personal development. Yeah. It's, it's really important you block that time out um, it, it, on, the it bigger, is. on the bigger picture stuff. That was the only thing that was in my diary is private, so that couldn't mm-hmm. be moved. You mm-hmm. know, nobody else had access to to move it. Everything else, were, they they can move my diary around and you know to accommodate the business need, but that stayed. Yeah, I think that's the key thing. It's got to be like there's no doesn't matter what's going on in the business. You know, that time has got to be taken out because it will it will help you kind of progress further uh, long term. Absolutely, uh, and. Mm. It, you, you, your team deserve you to get out, you yeah. know, so you're not always there and you're not always doing it or what have you, you know. They, and and it does give you space to actually keep keep relevant and keep interesting, forward facing. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I've, I've found it extreme. I've done it for 20 years now, and it's uh, it's a really big part of you know why Webmart is the way it is because it allows me to actually meet other people sometimes mm-hmm. I go you know in that time i might actually go to an unrelated company you know i went to see toyota's manufacturing system at, up at north uh in north wales and also boeing so you get to see you know you, you spend time with other organizations that you that yeah. you always pick up something from there so mm-hmm. uh, yeah so it, you're, you're going to see camper van sales rocket in the uk they're very expensive so <laughs> if you can find somewhere else that's your happy spot mm-hmm. than a camper van it'll be a lot cheaper um Definitely. Uh, but uh, yeah so Simon, we've got a we've got a tradition thinking of when we're winding up the podcast um here we've got a tradition um where we ask the guests to share something about themselves that maybe a lot of people don't know about. Um, last episode, we had an interesting one. We had um, Scott from Venture Banners um, decided to share with us that he had uh, an early career as a as a Kappa tracksuit model in the in the early nineties. Um, wow. But um, so that's going to take a bit of topping. But have you got anything um, kind of that you can share that people might not uh, be aware of? I, well, I. Uh, some people are aware of it. I always, when I'm doing some of my uh, mad events, I always wear a top hat, mm-hmm. um, which has uh, been a, a bit of a trademark, but only for a select few people who meet me on the, these events. So when I did the Marathon de Sable, I met with some uh, really wonderful Scottish guys that were in the, uh, the tent with me, and they're like, what the are you doing this across the desert in a top hat? <laughs> but I, I used to wear it at Glastonbury and stuff, and every people used to see me. So like, oh, I saw you at Glastonbury when they're watching it on the telly, and so it's a, it's, a, it's a collapsible top hat, which is actually I have solar panels on it. Would you believe, wow. which allows me to charge my phone up. Uh, as I'm as I'm walking around, so there was a purpose behind it. it wasn't just to be look, look a, a bit odd. It had, I actually have solar. I've got solar panels on it, and so as you you know go around, you, you, your phone's mm. charging. So there's a practical purpose behind it as well. But uh, now and uh, you know now the, the, there's there's lots of elements of my life that uh, are unusual. But uh, yeah, that's the only fact. I've got a picture here of. My my first triathlon with it with it on. There you go. Oh so, wow! Uh, as a proper well, stoker. Looks, <laughs> when, whereabouts was that one? 
That was at uh, Blenheim, Blenheim Palace. That was the Blenheim Palace triathlon. Fantastic. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I've got lots of pictures of me around the world with my, uh, from Antarctica. I took flip-flops onto Antarctica. Apparently, I was the only person that's ever done that. <laughs> I've got the world's worst feet as well, which is... So that's right. And they're, they're very wide, very flat, very bunny, very dreadful. But uh, so I thought I'd take flip-flops because I know when you... If in a tent, if, you yeah. know, you need to... Uh, you need to have, like... E- I need I need think something that's comfortable on there, so I took mm-hmm. it to Antarctica. So I've got a picture the, of me there. With it. The audience can't see this, obviously, but I'm I'm looking at you on, on a Zoom screen just now, and there's a a Barnsley Barnsley Football Club scarf in the in the background. I'm, I'm assuming yes. you're a, an avid supporter. I am, yes. I, I I'm a trustee on the Barnsley Football Club Community Trust, which is the uh, every football club has a community foundational trust mm-hmm. wrapped around it to do charitable stuff. So I'm a trustee on that and. Uh, I am a season ticket holder for my sins. I mean, that is that is my penance. I think it's fair to say um, because it's not an easy easy time being a uh, Barnes fan at the moment. You're, you're doing okay. You're doing okay just now, though. You top, top yeah, we six, are. Top it's seven. the fact we've through some administrative blunder just been kicked out of the FA Cup, which has not ha- uh, endeared uh, many no. people to the uh, admin of our, our beloved club. But uh, yeah, no, we're we're about fifth. Well, I'm off to Lincoln tomorrow to see us play the imps and uh actually there's a game I'm, I'm going to tonight to see the academy team play as well so i'm really invested in it and uh yeah they're, they're a good they're a good club with the with, with a uh, dodgy admin so I give <laughs> simon i know you're a busy man so i really do appreciate you kind of taking the oh, time to, to come on and, and, and join us on here today and i'm i'm sure you've um, you've given a lot of people some food for thought and with some some great advice in there for for other leaders within the, the industry as well. So thank you so much for My being pleasure. on episode seven of the print oh. interviews. And um thank you very and much hopefully indeed. catch up again soon. Take care. See ya.